0: Hey everyone, it's Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifrac. We're in conversation with the one and only Henry Mintzberg. If you're unfamiliar with Henry, what's wrong with you? Uh, he's a writer, he's an educator, mostly about managing orig- originations, uh, about developing managers and rebalancing society. But he, um, he's an outdoorsman and I can prove this to you because I've bicycled with Henry uh, through the ups and downs of the Victoria terrain where I live here in British Columbia. He's the author of 20 books, including favorites of mine like Managers, Not MBAs, uh, Simply Managing is a classic and of course, uh, recently-ish, Rebalancing Society. We'll get into that. Henry is co-founded and remains active uh, in a couple of very influential programs the International Master's Program for Managers, run a consortia with many universities, and the International Master's for Health Leadership run at McGill University, as well as he's the uh, he's, he's an entrepreneur, would you believe it? And of course you should, uh, coachingourselves.com uh, run in partnership with a couple of great guys, Warren and Phil. He's been elected to the Order of Canada and L'Ordre National du Québec, as well as to the Royal Society of Canada. He's received 21 honorary degrees that I know of from around the world. He's on the Thinker's 50 Hall of Fame. He indeed is a Canadian treasure. Henry, uh, a big welcome to you. Um, many of us look up to you for your commentary, your insights into management, leadership, managers, and leaders. And I, I thought we'd, we'd start off right away with with what's going on in the world, somewhat obviously with Ukraine and Russia. And you know, you've know you've come out uh, quite poignantly, if not uh, vociferously, really obviously against uh, the invasion, but also wondering what's going on inside of Russia and why people are not thinking about um, perhaps doing something about Putin. What, what's your take, Henry, right now on democracy and what's happening in the world, particularly with Ukraine?
1: Yeah, uh, interesting question. Let me just clarify a couple of things. The bicycling we did, Dan, was in our young, it was in my younger days, about <laughs> three four years ago. So, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm old now, but I still bicycle. Um, and uh, and 21 honorary degrees that I know of too. <laughs> Maybe there are <laughs> other. Um, I uh, sort of two separate questions in a way: Putin and, and democracy, uh, because. Uh, Putin is there's lots of autocrats in the world and <clears throat> and russia was not particularly democratic uh, before compared to the demise of democracy in in so many countries including especially the United States mm-hmm. where it's really in free fall I think um, but as far as Putin is concerned himself um, it, it's it's absolute madness and, and always has been, but this brings it to the fore um, that we enlist our futures in the hands of three individuals, uh, the people who run the US, China, and, uh, and Russia. Uh, so, so one man sitting in the Kremlin or God knows where he's hiding, yeah. um, could be destroying all of us. And, 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 and we use idiotic phrases like mutual assured destruction, to protect ourselves by saying, well, he won't do it because he'll ruin his country. But the man, the man is, is a lunatic and he's paranoid and he's got his back against the wall. So your future and mine are now sitting in the hands of a nutcase in Russia um, and why we tolerated this ever. Mm. Uh, this, this man in this war would be nowhere if they didn't have nuclear weapons. No. Um and I think the only way we're ever gonna get out of this is when somebody screws up the cleverness and the courage to get rid of this guy because otherwise he'll he'll just keep upping the ante. Now he's claiming that you know if they lend wars, if 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 if, if the Romanians or the Poles lend uh, lend fighter jets. Uh, that's an act of war. Well, for him, anything's an act of war. Anything, any, any step is an act of war, um, and and that means he has the right to launch weapons. Uh, now, look, uh, Indira Gandhi was taken out by her own guards um, because she had the gall to send troops into the Golden Temple, mm-hmm. the Sikh Golden Temple, and her guards were Sikh. Um, he can hide, but he can't hide from every single person, and he can't hide from people who he may not even know uh have Ukrainian roots or Ukrainian relatives mm-hmm. uh, But until uh, I, uh, it's just sickening. it's It's just sickening
0: anyway. and, and you've um, you've said democracy democracy itself has been under siege before. Uh, the recent crisis so what's your analysis these days on the state of democracy
1: well you know it was interesting because we had a, a a period not very long ago i lose track but maybe maybe 15 years ago i can't remember where we were marveling in the fact that one country after another was turning to democracy uh ukraine was one of them mm-hmm. and um and uh and suddenly it all went to hell. And, you know, the the, the the big question that I'm asking myself now is what is dumbing down so many people? I mean, what is dumbing down so many people? Um, and I'm not talking just about Russia. Or, I'm talking about uh, uh, the United States and Canada with the whole trucker business and so on. I, I'm not opposed to truckers... Uh, um, you know, wanting to uh, uh, you know, manifest themselves for things they, that are troubling them, but this complete madness of, of, of blocking a city and trying to take over the government in effect by forcing legislation to get rid of masks or to get ra- rid of vaccines is, is, is utter madness. You know, and then you had a conservative member of parliament referring to this as a traffic problem, <laughs> right. as, a parking, as a parking problem. Yeah. What is, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm serious when I say, are, are we drinking something? Yeah. Uh, is it the proliferation of, you know, you can sit, I can sit not here where I'm in the country, but I can sit in Montreal or Times Square in New York and, and access millions of telephone calls. Now, is that scrambling our brains? I yeah. don't know um but but uh harari the guy who wrote sapiens talks talks about the, our disconnect from nature um and that may be a factor the you know but 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 this kind of monumental stupidity in in field after field after field is just including our own in management uh, you know as well as i all the nonsense that just you know yeah the, the idea of, of quarterly earnings as if huge corporations change their course in the space of three months uh, it's just part of the madness
0: well let's let's segue there Henry because I think you've you've touched on uh, some of the maddening items I did want to catch up with you on because it It has been uh, three or four years since our our bicycle ride and the pandemic has prevented me from seeing you face-to-face in Montreal. So one of the things I know you believe in strongly is that culture is set by the founder of the organization. Now that could be public it could be private it could be plural but that that leader so the team or the unit or the indeed the entire organization they you 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 believe that they establish the culture but from there there's kind of this question of the enhancements or the fixing it or the recovering of it if you will so wh- where are we in that assessment of yours and and wh- what are some observations you've seen i suppose as we're potentially entering into an endemic era or if not a post-pandemic era?
1: Well, you know, culture is, is, is slow to build and careful to build and, and you've got to be absolutely determined and so on. Um, and that's easier for someone who's starting fresh than it is for someone who's moving into an established organization, but it's still doable in established organizations although killing a culture can be done very, very quickly. And I've seen case after case, as have you, where some chief executive, some narcissist takes over and just brings the place down in a matter of months. Yeah, um, It takes years to kill it, but months to kill a culture. So, so, so uh, you know, and as you know, and already mentioned, the, uh, the word community ship is central in my mind, uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of leadership uh, to the extent that it's hyped. Mm. I, I definitely believe in leadership and I believe in people who can make a difference. Um, but this hype of leadership, this cult of leadership, because if you use the word leadership, you're always referring to an individual. Leadership does not mean collective. It means individual. Um and, and, and we've got too much individualism in the world today and not enough, uh, 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 you know, collective responsibility. And, uh, and so I like the word community ship. I, you know, I just kind of made it up and put in an article years ago. Um, but, you know, we've got citizenship and we've got ownership and we've got uh, leadership and we need community ship and good leadership enhances encourages, instills and encourages and enhances leadership. And, and if you want to know what community ship is, just walk into an organization. And in, if you're minimally perceptive in the space of minutes, you'll know, you know, is there a real greeting or is somebody being paid to smile at you at the door? Mm. You know, I mean, these things become very evident if you're in touch with your senses. But as Harari says, maybe we're not in touch with our senses.
0: Well, maybe we need to go on more canoe trips as uh, and bicycle trips for sure. What, well, what have you observed then uh, during the pandemic? Where where are some of those hopeful stories or observations of yours, Henry? Because your your ear and your mind is always to the ground. Where you've seen examples of community ship actually come to bear.
1: Well, it's interesting, eh? some countries, maybe New Zealand, I don't know, I can't keep track because everything comes and goes. But I think smaller countries are more able to deal with these things than bigger countries. Um, but, uh, um, but some bigger countries have done better than others. Um, frankly, what's discouraged me most uh, about the pandemic is the utter lack of lateral thinking, the absolute uh-huh. utter lack of lateral thinking. And by that, I mean, if you look from beginning to end, the prescriptions at the end, at the beginning are still the prescriptions about wearing masks and keeping our distance and you know, washing our hands or whatever it is. And those are all important, critical things. The only major thing that changed is because a couple in Germany had a good idea to create a new kind of vaccine. That was the big breakthrough. Right. Um, I tried desperately over the course of a full year to publish something on the role between pollution, the relationship between pollution and the pandemic, um, which seemed quite clear. Um, I, I read an article that indicated it in, in April of 2020. I, I, I couldn't get it published. So I published a blog on it in a, f- a few days later, uh, or a couple of weeks later. Um, and, uh, and then pursued it for a year to no avail, including with a friend who works at the WHO and is in the thick of, the, of it all yeah. and thought that I was off base. Um, and all, almost everything I wrote back April, uh, two years ago is, uh, has come through in the research, uh, but nobody wanted to listen, uh, nobody want to listen. And, and there's this kind of, and, and by the way, the worst of all are the experts. Worst of all, are, are the experts, because, you know, we have a, a guy I know who's a, a specialist in aerosols. Um, aerosols means these tiny, tiny little particles, right? And the and WHO fought the aerosols for the longest time before they had to admit that this thing was being carried, not by the big, just by the big droplets, but by the, the aerosols. So he was sympathetic, but he's an indoor. Aerosol guy, and as soon as I thought talk, talking about outdoor aerosols and pollution, no, 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 not possible. His paradigm is indoor aerosols, so that's his indoor aerosol, no outdoor aerosol. So uh, that part of it has been intensely frustrating. But 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 you are asking about kind of the uh, the good stories. Uh, you know, my to come back to my public-private plural. Uh, I think the role of government in the pandemic um, has been to protect us. Um, And the good governments are doing that. And the bad governments, uh, one of which is the UK, has not done that. Um, But the good governments, including the Canadian governments, have seen their role to do that, as has Biden uh, in the US. Um, The role of business is to supply us. And some businesses have done marvelously well you know, converting so that they could produce the equipment needed for, for oxygen and so on and so forth. Um, and the role of community is to engage us. Um, and that's why the small countries where community tends to be stronger have come out better, I think, because there's been a sense of community in those countries. And and I think the good stories are the sense of communities, particularly the, the medical workers who just have gone in Month after month, year after year, um, and that's that's community, um, you know. And they 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 basically saved us more than anybody.
0: How about this? Uh, I, I thought I'd read you something because you you brought up something there when you talk about healthcare, and to me, it almost seems that every healthcare individual, professional, what have you operate with that deeper sense of purpose and our meaning. So let me read you something and then let's, let's dialogue a little bit about this. So it's, it goes as follows. Companies should serve not only their shareholders, but also deliver value to their customers, invest in employees, deal fairly with suppliers and support the communities in which they operate. That, of course, is the, quote, updated business roundtable uh, you know, a statement of purpose for a corporation issued in 2019, and as you have rightly suggested, it's kind of an update to their 2012 one with the words jumbled together. So, when we speak of purpose, and when we speak of the BRT, the Business Roundtable, where are we on the path towards organizations actually operating with a purpose, like a healthcare individual arguably is doing with their own sense of self-meaning?
1: Look, I can only judge by the facts, and these are the facts. And as you said, in 2012, they issued a similar statement, um, and in 2019, they issued another statement without even admitting the earlier statement and without even admitting the 1997 statement, I think, championed by Jack Welsh, um, to the absolute contrary. To the absolute contrary. They created the problem, or well, they didn't create it, but they endorsed the problem. Yeah um we don't need words and we don't need hypocrisy and we don't need promises um that's useless and the best example of useless promises 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 is is when governments um create decade long plans for dealing with climate change four year governments make 20 30 40 year plans for climate change they're gone you know uh uh whoever it was preceded him was gone and, and, uh, and uh, Harper takes over and the plans go out the window and then Trudeau takes over and that's good with, this, with regard to this. And then the plans go out the window. Give me a break. We don't need plans. We need action. Tell me what you're doing now. Don't tell me what you're doing next year. Tell me what you're doing now. And, and, and the fact is more hypocrisy. Mm. Same with the business round table more hypocrisy. Not that many companies are not truly responsible and, and trying to do things. but we don't need the business roundtable issuing yet another set of hypocritical uh, promises.
0: And you're looking for then Henry from what from corporate America the, you know the corporate Western world is it more than words and if it's more than words, is it what? what would you be looking for?
1: Well, well, for one thing, if I'm running a, a great big publicly traded company, what am I going to do? I've got to answer to these often kid analysts who want to know how much shareholder value I made next week and, uh, or this quarter. And uh, uh, so, so what could I do? You know, my back's against the wall. I have a wonderful quote in my current blog, uh, Mintzberg.org slash blog, from a, a, a woman who was vice president of HR in a major company. And she talked about the pressure on her to produce all the time, to produce more and more and more shareholder value. But if you don't have the creativity and the imagination to produce more shareholder value, what do you do? You know, Apple, Apple was amazing under Steve Jobs. I'm not sure what they've given us since Steve Jobs, but they still have to produce. If they pass $2 trillion, in, in shareholder value for the stock market, that's the starting point, you know? That's the starting point, okay, what's next? Right. And maybe they don't have a Steve Jobs with the creativity to keep them going So that way. So, so what do they do? Are they playing with their batteries? I don't know, maybe, some people think so. Um, but whatever they're doing, um, I have a new iPhone, I think it's terrible. I think it's worse. I had a 7, now I have an 11. It's much worse than the 7. So, so I don't, I don't know. You know, I I I think frankly we might be better off to close down the damn stock markets altogether.
0: Oh. Really?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's lots of companies that work without without some work without without investors altogether. They're called social enterprises. They yeah. do perfectly well. Mondragon right. is a gigantic federation of co-ops that does well. We've got Desjardins, Van City and other things in Canada. and you know, We've got other kinds of social enterprises of all kinds, not-for-profit businesses. So, so, but, but even for-profit businesses could do a lot better with, with patient capital people who are in there for the long run who know that if you push for immediate profit you're going to screw up long-term thinking so don't push for immediate profit you know if it's family-owned they're not in a rush
0: yeah when you when you write about rebalancing society you often are uh, referring to that pluralistic society that common good is balanced between um, a strong business you know good government and obviously the community ship or communities themselves so what are what are we getting right and or wrong in your view of where the pluralistic society ought to be?
1: Well, we don't want a society that's based on any one sector. Okay, communism yeah. communism emphasized or privileged the public sector, and that's what you get. Don't raise your mouth in China for anything the government doesn't like, and including an accusation that a woman claims she's been raped by a senior member of the Communist Party. Don't raise your voice on anything. That's communism. Mm-hmm. America, has, America and Britain, similarly, have so-called liberal democracy, which is becoming less liberal and much more tilted toward, uh, toward private interests and individualism. Um, and it's destroying the democracy in both countries, particularly in the United States. So we don't want a a capitalist society. And uh, the big thing in America is to fix capitalism. Mm -hmm. Well, capitalism is broken and certainly needs fixing, but it's society that needs fixing, and that it will do by putting capitalism in its place, which is the marketplace, and out of the public space, and out of the lobbying. The worst thing the Supreme Court of the United States ever did, uh, although maybe it's in the process of doing another one, is to open the floodgates, to political donations. It legalized bribery. Mm. The Supreme Court of the United States legalized bribery. And then you've got Venezuela and Turkey, left, right, doesn't matter, who privilege the plural sector, the community sector. Uh, and, and you have more and more countries, Hungary, uh, Venezuela, um, Poland, uh, um, Russia, uh, and so on and so forth, but privilege the community, the privilege certain community groups at the expense of others. What you need is balance. Uh, Some countries have that. I think small countries, many small countries like New Zealand have it because you can't get away with things easier. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, Canada has balance. Germany has balance. Japan has balance. The U.S. does not. Um, Britain does not. Uh, Germany has balance, I think across the three sectors so it's got strong private sector with good solid business it's got strong public sector that can stand up to private forces but also to global forces uh, or should and it's got strong community yeah. sector
0: you've if you think about some of the mechanisms in which many leaders slash managers believe they have to operate it's it's through measurement and I know you've been on record as stating one can't measure management, one can't measure culture, one can't measure leadership. Yet here we are, where through either shareholder primacy and thus shareholder value and return, or stock buybacks, share price, or even inside the organization from a you know a culture perspective, people measuring employee engagement or. In, in government, you know, polling, and whether you were, um, how you're polling, how do you view measurement? And how do you view getting out of the game of measurement, so that leaders and managers can can lead more in from the perspective of plural society that you're, you're striving for?
1: It's an obsession, I, I, I don't object to measurement, I measure lots of things too, you know, I I want to get some new handkerchiefs and I measured the ones that I have to see may get the same size. So I'm not against measurement, Um, but, but, uh, but I'm against this obsession with measurement. If you want to destroy elementary school education, simply focus on measurement, which of course what we do, and we are destroying elementary education. We can't measure a lot of the things that matter most to us, you know, love, love, uh, culture. Uh, whoever measured the effectiveness of a manager, and don't tell me it's shareholder value. You know, so so how do you measure? How do you measure leadership? How, how do you measure how I'm doing today in, in this event? I mean, how, how do you measure it? Is it like four, nine, eight, ten, twelve? What you know? I mean, how do you measure that? Do you like it or you don't like it? Or you judge it? You judge it and give it a high number. You don't like. like you don't like it and give it a loan number. So, so you know, I'm, I'm uh, as a kid, I knew that Bob Feller could throw a fastball at 94 miles an hour, okay, I remember that. Um, and, and I know that some of the uh, defense uh, uh, guys in hockey can go over hundred miles an hour with a slap shot, not a slap shot, but a, that pass shoot thing. And, um, uh, but, so it's nice to have measurements and statistics but you don't measure the, look at the Canadians, you know, doing so badly in hockey. I mean, doing so badly and suddenly they bring in a new coach and they don't even make them coach and wham, everything changes. Where'd that come from? So the interesting things don't lend themselves to measurement. Look, I have this little game. If I say a restaurant's uh, uh, efficiency is a is a kind of neutral concept, right? Everybody wants to be efficient. So if I say a restaurant is efficient and I ask a group of managers, most of them say, I say, what am I referring to? They say speed of service. I say, is that why you go to a restaurant? Sometimes, not often, okay. Uh, my house is efficient. Uh, even, Even if you're not in Canada, they say cost of heating. You know, even if you're in a warmer climate, they say cost of heating. Whoever bought a house because of cost of heating, what are they doing? they're zeroing in subconsciously on the criterion that's most measurable when we say efficiency we don't mean effectiveness we mean measurable efficiency yeah. and that's the problem because the social is much harder to measure than the economic so the economic always wins that's the trouble with the balanced scorecard it's never balanced because what can be measured properly easily like profit is a lot easier our sales is a lot easier uh, then what doesn't lend itself to measurement like social responsibility or quality of product or that kind of?
0: Thing. Do you, you think Do you think there's Henry some kind of greenwashing or, or measurement washing happening inside organizations when it comes to uh, things like purpose, CSR, you know, the climate change uh, efforts of an organization? like what, what are you seeing again, what's working, what's not? When it, when it comes to these really important potential metrics, but is there some sort of uh, washover happening?
1: Dan, have you ever met a number you couldn't game? Has <laughs> anybody ever met, met a number they couldn't game? Right. Uh, that, there's a million ways to game every number on earth. The, the Minister of Health in Quebec wants to force every GP to take at least a thousand patients, okay? Um, that will have the following consequence. It will drive many GPs out of the province. It will drive others out of general practice, which will be the exact opposite of what he wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some will only take healthy patients and get rid of their sick patients. Um, You can game any number. on it. You know, if I have a difficult operation to have in a hospital, I want a surgeon with a high death rate. Okay? I want a surgeon with a high death rate. Why is that? Not, not because I want a bad surgeon, but because I want a surgeon who takes the tough cases. Uh, okay, There are stories of American surgeons who won't take tough cases, uh, because it spoils their numbers.
0: Hmm. Well, that's, I would call your thinking is emergent thinking, which far, far too many people are narrow minded, and if not, uh, siloed in their thinking. So let's Two more questions, and you've been generous with your time. But one um, is perhaps the exacerbating of how leaders follow other leaders. And what I mean by that is really the selection process of leaders in our organization. So if it's a bit of monkey see, monkey do, and we're only looking at the strengths, to your point of wanting to select a surgeon who has a high death rate, I potentially. You're you're looking at things antithetically because you you suggest, if I'm not mistaken, when you're hiring someone, we should be looking at the weaknesses. But so, how do we discover weaknesses in this world if we're you know not married to our our spouse?
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I'm not one for five easy steps to make the world a better place or improve management. Yeah, uh, but I do have one easy step that could do it very easily, uh, and it comes back to when Bolton was proposed by Bush, I think, to be uh, uh, the uh, the ambassador to the United Nations. And oh, people- John Bolton, right? John Bolton, John Bolton. Yeah. yeah. And people describe him as a kiss-up-and-kick-down sort of person. Well, who selects managers and who selects chief executives? Superiors. The board selects the chief executive. Senior managers select junior managers. What does that mean? It means they know all about the kissing up and nothing about the kicking down. <laughs> um because they've never been kicked down um so how do you get around that uh, as i as, as you mentioned um we need to select people for their faults as much as for their strengths because it's the faults so they're going to bring them down mm-hmm. so you want to make sure everybody's got faults i hate to say this but e- even you probably so so we all have faults and we're gonna make sure that the faults we have will not be cr- critical in the circumstances. So you gotta assess their faults. Now, how do you know their faults? There's two ways to know someone's faults, best ways, I think. One is to work for them and the other is to marry them um, or, or live with them. And uh, um, But you can't ask a spouse about somebody's, about somebody's faults or an ex-spouse, even worse, Um, but you can ask employees or ex-employees about the people who were managed by the candidates. So very simple. Nobody should ever get into a managerial job until the opinions are properly determined of the people who worked for them. That's most important because managing is not about kissing up. You do some of that. you got to deal with outsiders and customers and all that, but it's about how you deal with the people who report to you. Right. and we need an objective assessment of that. Not very difficult. McKinsey McKinsey elects its chief executive by a vote of its senior partners, okay? I bet it never recommended that to any of its clients, um, but it worked for McKinsey for an awful long time, maybe not recently, so <laughs> much, but it worked for McKinsey for an awful long time.
0: Excellent point. Okay, uh, last question, and then I, I do want to ask you about structures in seven. So, um, Outward bound organizations, Henry, this is uh, what you believe to be one of the biggest trends that are currently happening. Explain a bit about what you mean by an outward bound organization.
1: Well, let's go back about 50 years uh, or 40 years and, and, and ask ourselves, what were the two most popular strategies of large corporations? Uh, one was vertical integration, which is take, taking over parts of your supply chain, one on one side or the other not your supply chain but your your value chain whether you bought brought in your customer your suppliers or your customers at one end at the one end or the other and the other was diversification but mm-hmm. both were presented as within the boundaries the boundaries of the organization were tight if you wanted to vertically integrate you bought your suppliers general motors might buy a battery company or might buy dealerships or create their own same thing with diversification. You want to go into another business, either create it on your own or buy one. Okay? Um, that's what you did. Wow, how that has changed. Now, the word outsourcing is precisely the opposite. You get rid of all this stuff inside that you're not particularly good at. Um, well, So, in my last chapter of my new book, which will remain unnamed until you get to it, but um but the... The last, the second to last chapter is called "Organizations Outward Bound," and it talks about all the mechanisms we're using to blur the boundaries of our organizations. So, one is uh, is joint ventures, obviously. One one is platforming, where we create an organization as a platform for others to come in and use. Wikipedia and and is a platform that I go in. I'm not an employee and yet. I'm like an employee. I can change the. I can change the the data on it. So I'm like an employee, but I'm not an employee. I can go and use it and leave. I don't even pay fees. They want donations, but I don't pay fees. Um, Uber is using the notion of a platform organization to get away with outsourcing, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, because Uber says, well, we just outsourced our driving to independent uh, drivers. And other people are, 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 uh, sorry, what Uber is saying is, we're just the platform. You know, we just provide the technology, and drivers come in and use our technology. Whereas other people are saying, "Come on, this is a form of outsourcing. You're trying to save costs and cut and 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 cut costs by 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 paying the drivers a lot less." So this isn't platforming; this is outsourcing. So, and and then there's what I call associating. Uh, 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 You associate with other organizations like a chamber of commerce or an industry association um, and you affiliate with others. Um, So you create a common group like small accounting firms might national accounting firms might connect with other accounting firms around the world to create a global so they can serve their customers globally. That's an affiliation. Now, these are the different forms uh, that I referred to and I think that's the biggest change. In structure in in the last half century.
0: So is, I don't know if it's a bit of a scoop, but uh, I believe the book is to be called Structures in, or Structure in Sevens. I'm sorry, is it uh, due in 2022?
1: Uh, it's gone into the publisher now, so yeah, I would say that. Unless they get, yeah, it Yeah, it'll, it'll be dated 2022, and probably will not come out till the new year. Um, it's it's actually called. It's subtitled um structuring I think in sevens um but the actual title is understanding organizations finally um, uh. <laughs> yeah um and it opens I, I I like the opening the opening says how many organizations are you kind of associating with today is 10 an exaggeration? And then I say, well, breakfast was brought to you by farmers and trucks and supermarkets. Uh, you went on your iPhone, which was brought to you by Apple or somebody. You used your telephone to connect, your telephone, your telephone services to connect, um, cable, whatever. Uh, you gonna go to a restaurant, you're gonna go to the bank. Um, and I get through, I say, I count 17. How many did I miss? Um we live in a world of organizations we're surrounded by organizations everything we do just about is organizational now you and i didn't need an organization to go bicycling well we did actually we needed somebody to make the path in victoria uh, on vancouver island um we needed bicycles that were made by manufacturers so even that um, but what, what we didn't bicycle in a club that would have been an additional uh, yeah. organization so
0: well, we also needed uh, the great coffee shop with the pastries uh, that I re- regale with as well. Henry, you. you're, you're uh, gosh, I've looked up to you for years as have so many people. You've influenced so uh, many leaders, managers, and and just team members across this world. Can't thank you enough for this today, uh, everyone. Henry Mintzberg, visit you at mintzbergorg slash blog. You will not be disappointed. Uh, Henry is gratuitous in his insights into the world of organizations, the plural sector, leaders, managers, and team members. Henry, can't thank you enough. Thanks again.
1: Can I just add something, Dan, which is the thing I'm working on now, which is rebalancingsociety.org, which is really Perfect. what I think is the most important
0: right now. Uh, you're a gem. All right, thank Henry. You. Thank, thank you so much. You're so
1: lovely to talk to, always. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck with the new book. I I can say that to you anytime. Good luck with the new book. <laughs> you can say it to me anytime. Too.
0: I think we're just uh, we're masochists, Henry. I think that's what we are.
1: <laughs> I know. I know.